You are listening to the Fantasy Joes Podcast, your weekly dose of fun and unique fantasy football talk with a focus on Dynasty. And now, here are the Joes, Will Greenwood, Ryan Livergood, and Jake Patterson. Oh, that's right. We are the Fantasy Joes, and we're coming back to you after a little bit of a, you know, a little delay, a little bit of an off week. We're, we're, re, we're looking a little bit back at the past of week five, moving into week six in the future for Dynasty. Uh, I am at Fantasy Joe underscore Will. I am with Jake, who is at Takes with Jake. And we are missing at Ryan, who is, of course, at Rota Librarian, all on Twitter, everybody. Jake, what's the news? What's the story? Give me a uh, give me a little, you know, cold intro, or uh, what, is, what is it called? Let's just intro right into the show. What are you thinking about right now, fantasy-wise? Well, uh, we're recording during the Thursday night game, as mentioned during the Patreon show that we always do pre-pod. And man, uh, the Eagles are getting absolutely wiped out. Hertz doesn't look very good, um, at least like on an NFL level. Fantasy, he's going to be, his floor is fantastic, I feel like. But other than that, the Bucks look like a, like a superpower. Yeah, yeah. And I think, uh, I think the Eagles can potentially do that to you. Uh, unless you're there, you know, the other team has a lot of holes and what's trying to figure out. Also, forgot really quickly, uh, we are at the FF Joe's on Twitter. So <laughs> let's move into our quick, like, high low segment of the week. I, I got to label these uh, as I went through, and I went with these are the uh, Kadarius Tony's uh, production moments of the week and the Kadarius Tony's ejection moments of the week, uh, both for the, the, the good and the bad. So, All right. Let's uh let's just let's just talk a little bit. Let's focus on the positive, Jake. What what went well for you? What were you stoked about? And it, especially keep like a little uh you know a, a hint towards the future. I think what has to be talked about is that Monday night spectacular. It was uh the amount of fantasy games that had to have been swayed in that one game um, is ridiculous. I think there were five or six guys who probably put up thirty points alone. Um, I know that there was one week, one game that I thought I was a for sure Lawson and Jonathan Taylor put up 30, 35 points and won it for me. Um, I had another, another league where I started Jonathan Taylor, uh, Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews. And I think they put up like a hundred points total for me. It had to have been the highest output I've ever had in like a fantasy week. I think it was 290 points in a regular like start 10 which is just absolutely insane. So just a wild game. And it had to have been a, the perfect way to end the week, I feel like. Yeah, 290 points in a start 10. Quick math, that's 29 points per player. Uh, yeah, that's insane, right? Like, holy. Uh, Mark Andrews, it was a 1.5 PPR for tight ends, and he put up 49 points himself. Yeah, and Lamar Jackson in general is carrying that Ravens offense uh, overall. He's, he's, what, what is it? He's 18th in the NFL in total yards when you look at complete teams. So he, he is outpacing uh, a good, a good chunk of the league with all their players. And, and it's the, it's the Lamar Jackson we want. It's the Mar- Lamar Jackson that makes the NFL fun to watch. He is one of the most electric players. And I think the, the, I was a big investor in Lamar Jackson. I have been for a little, a little bit, but it's, you know, you had to carry the ups and downs because he's going to have games where it was like when he was at Detroit and that game was just an absolute mess and everything is just off. But then you have moments in time where you're never out of a fantasy week, a 
assuming that you're not down against Jake's team when he puts up 29 points per player. But when you have Lamar Jackson going, you're down by 40 points. You don't, you, you at least can, can hold some hope and you want to watch that whole game. So, yeah, I completely agree with that Monday Night Spectacular. Also, uh, with Jonathan Taylor housing that big touchdown, that lateral that was called a forward pass that maybe or maybe it wasn't. Who knows? Who really cares at this point for fantasy? Sorry if you're a Colts fan. I don't know if that was or wasn't, but uh, it makes it a little bit tougher. My biggest high of the week, Jake, uh, was Hawks win. The Iowa Hawkeyes took down the Penn State Nittany Lions. Uh, that's that's right, Dave. I don't have to say anything positive about Penn State in this episode because of part of what we were discussing. And uh, it was, we had, you know, the, their quarterback went out who was absolutely demolishing the Iowa defense before he had to leave. But their backup quarterback, turns out he can't, he can't play in their system right now. And uh, I was able to come back and win. So that was my biggest highlight of the week. Out, and it was outside of the NFL. And it's not even close. Uh, you have to, sorry. You have to enlighten me a bit. Was that a like an upset or, at all? Or were they expected? No, it was, it was just number three versus number four in college. Uh, I was favored by two and a half points. It was at Iowa. Uh, but Penn State was up, I think, was it 17 to three? No, I, uh, I did see Alabama lost this week. Yeah, but uh, their Penn State's quarterback Clifford was just dicing up the Iowa defense after he threw a pick on his first pass uh, in, in his own end zone. He threw it, and it, we had the ball in the 10, only got a field goal, and then Penn State started to really lean into the Iowa. They scored two touchdowns on the next two possessions. It was looking very, very down, and then uh, you know things kind of turned. And with college football, uh, I just, I just don't care about the reasoning for why the Hawks win because we're a tough watch. It's stressful. Our our quarterback is inconsistent at best, and our defense is it looks like it's at least borderline uh, elite. So that's why I was just, I was just very excited to watch that game. I was messaging with Dave the whole time. It was a it was a really fun time to just kind of to have that environment. So that's uh, that was definitely a big high. Another one is for me on, on my you know Kadarius Tony production moments of the week is I actually started Tony in a couple spots. I picked him up in a league where I lost George Kittle, uh, I lost a couple other players on IR, and I was deciding on a flex spot. And at the last like Sunday morning at eleven ish a.m., I picked up Tony off waivers and put him in the flex spot and won that week because of him in a PPR league because he put up darn near thirty points. Yeah, Kadarius Tony's a funny, right? With people pretty much pretty sorry. People pretty much declared his like his fantasy death his funeral already. Um in his rookie season a few weeks in, um that he was already gonna be worthless and for the rest of Dynasty, for the rest of his career. He's a he's a, he's nothing to worry about. And the analytics analytics community headed into the rookie, heading into the rookie season, the rookie draft. Pretty much this guy's had one good season, not much to to worry about, one flash in the pan as an older guy. And I know I'm not much uh, I'm not much for the eye test, but man, this guy looks like special, right? Like he looks uh, really, really freaking good. Um the things he is able to do with his legs, um, they sh- like I feel like they shouldn't bend like that. I don't know if that's a, a risk for injury long term or what, but he uh he's passing the eye test for me is whatever, whatever that means. Um, and I think I'm buying him. He's probably, he's probably a buy high right now with how people are thinking after this week. And I'm sure with some of the injuries and Sterling Shepard coming back that he might come down to earth a little bit and there might be a buying opportunity there, but I'm really liking what I'm seeing right now. 
Uh, there's not a single other player besides Saquon on that team that is electric as Kadarius Tony from what we saw. And there's not been a single game out of anybody that's shown that. Uh, Sterling Shepard's had good production in the past, but it's a completely different style of production. Uh, Tony absolutely took the defensive backs for a walk. Like even Trayvon Diggs, uh, you know, the, le- the probably the leading candidate for the top corner in the league this year. He turned yeah. around, got him spun around, made him walk backwards. It was absolutely crazy. Tony has always had a risk of being a potential knucklehead. Uh, he has like, a, there. you got to look into it for his checkered history. I don't have it right in front of me, so I don't want to speak out of turn about that, but it does exist and it is there. So then he comes, you know, they, they, they aggravate him. He throws a punch uh, to somebody's helmet and then gets ejected from the game. So there is a little bit of a, I think there's, there's definitely a risk factor with that side of it because when he's at his best, you saw that there's very, very few receivers that can do what he did in that game uh, overall in the entire NFL. Like it's, I don't even know if it's close. He just set the, he was just, he's the fifth highest total yards receiving for a rookie in NFL history in a single game. Yeah, passing Odell. Uh, yeah, so he's behind like Randy Moss, uh, Anquan Bolin's the other, other name. The other two names are uh, older, and I don't understand. I don't know them. So <laughs> that's, that's as good as we're going to get there. But uh, it's again, it's that uh, you know, it's the unwrapping the unwrapping the box of what is Kadarius Tony. He also did that on only on less than or on thirty seven of the team's sixty eight snaps. So little, he's probably was uh, like a 57 percent snap share overall on the team. Uh, and absolutely crushed it. So the biggest thing I think moving forward, we'll see how they decide to utilize him moving forward. Uh, I think we watched in that game, but I also, I also wonder about Dallas's defense if they were playing back because that game, I don't think was ever too close when he was doing all this stuff too. They were just like, if Tony's going to beat us, we'll let him beat us. And he tried his darndest to do it. So that, that was very, very exciting. And for everybody who invested in Kadarius Tony because of that first round draft capital, it's like, a, hey, I know the Atlantic still check out, but... Uh, they took him here, so let's give it a go. Yeah, no, I uh, very promising. You you love to see it. So my next, uh, who, who, I had written down as my Lamar Jackson moment, but we already talked about that Monday night game. Uh, my next big moment has to be that the next most entertaining game of the week, which has to be that Chargers Browns game. Yeah, I, don't I have think much that's to say. yeah. Fantasy-wise, that might have – if you were just watching that game, uh, that, that game was insane. Uh, it didn't look like Baker's shoulder was holding him back too much as he threw – was it for – like I, I got to look at this, this stat real quick. But I was worried about Baker going to that game. I realized the touchdown production wasn't there. But that back and forth between those two teams, they are uh, – they're both, they're both ready for prime time for when it comes to competing. Uh, I, I think they're both playoff teams. And it's going to be an epic matchup come the playoffs, whoever they're playing. Yeah, it's um, there's there's lots of little fantasy things that you could take out of it. Um, I, the Chargers seem like the absolute real deal. Herbert's the guy. Um, Austin Eckler, I feel like, should be your number one buy target right now if you are competing or you feel like you are one piece away. I think he has like RB one rest of season potential in him. Um, Mike Williams seems like the real deal, at least for this season. I think I would think the Chargers are going to do whatever they can this offseason to bring him back. And in regarding the Browns, for one, um, Kareem Hunt's usage, you have to you have to like it. Um, getting 12 carries and he's getting pretty much all the passing down work. Um, 
continuously week in and week out, he's actually becoming startable. And I would have thought that I didn't think that was going to happen with outside of a Nick Chubb injury. And Baker, as you said it, I, I was a huge Baker Mayfield uh, truther. I loved him coming out. Um, he had like that one epic, epic game against Patrick Mahomes. And I always thought that like he had like his rookie year, you saw his ceiling, right? Like as a, how good he was as a passer, he came out with Andrew Luck compar- comparables. Um, and you just haven't seen it at a fantasy level anyway, so far in his career. He put up, that was probably one of the biggest high, high scoring games anyways, for the Cleveland Browns that you're like, you're going to expect. Cause that's just not really like who they are. He only put up like in uh, the one league I'm looking at anyways, 29 points. Like he didn't go off on a fantasy perspective. And that's just cause like, he's never going to have the carries. He didn't, he only threw for two touchdowns. So he didn't get tons of bonuses there. Like I love Baker, but on a fantasy perspective, I don't know if he's a, uh, he's ever going to hit that the one one uh, ceiling that he had in Superflex leagues that one year coming out. Yeah. And I agree with that. You know, when you have an absolute shootout game, prime performance, you see how this team is built and how it's going to move forward. Uh, I do think that he fits well into that team, but your expectations just have to be lowered. They've built that team. Uh, and again, like uh, with the Browns, like there would be one of the most dangerous playoff teams because they built it on the yeah. ground game. They built they they're Super built Bowl with Baker for to sure. wear you down. Yeah, uh, it, he he has he's you know he's only thrown two interceptions throughout five weeks, uh, which I mean relatively we'd like to see less, of course, for uh, an elite Super Bowl winning team, but they don't need him to have have a big passing game to compete in games. Comparatively, with like you know Justin Herbert had to carry has had to carry that team on his back when the defense can't hold up, uh, which I think it's a bigger concern with because uh, I think the Browns defense is better than the Chargers, but they just they just got out, out dueled by a better quarterback, but I think come the later in the season that, that, that those tables concerned, but that's predicting too much into the future. Anyway, that game was awesome. It was awesome for everybody. Uh, Keenan Allen, I think is another great like buy low for the rest of the season because his production and usage hasn't been as higher as high as it has been in the past. Uh, you, you've we're already seen Mike Williams isn't practicing this week. He could be banged up. And I think as Mike Williams comes into his own and defenses start to change, uh, Keenan Allen is still an absolute elite wide receiver when it comes to running routes, getting open, catching the ball. So I, I'm not, I'm not what I would not, I would not sell Keenan Allen, both redraft and dynasty whatsoever at this point. I am actually going to have to try to acquire him yeah, if I too. can get him uh, at a decent price, you know? Yeah. Just, I just, just, just give me no okay all pieces, all pieces of this chargers offense, man. What about, what about Donald Parham? I mean, um, why not? Like, if it's a best ball league, is a league that I would want Donald Parnham in. Um, tight end premium league, uh, like to any of those kind of tight throws, the dart throws. I'm in a few two tight end leagues, and especially this week, it's it's gonna be tough to start some people. I know uh, there's a few few guys on by. There's one league that I am in that's I'm pulling it up right now that I am in a bit of a pickle. For starting this week, I thought I had it all figured out, but I did not. Oh, I brought up the wrong league. Um, filibuster, filibuster, filibuster. So I yeah, have so George, <laughs> George Kittle. We're looking at so first of all, Donald Parham's only twenty four years old. As we look into this scenario in Dynasty, uh, he hasn't played uh, a super high complement of snaps compared to Jared Cook. Like he hasn't outsnapped him uh, in the most recent couple games, but. He still looks electric, and he's Jared Cook is gone after this year uh, with the Chargers. So, anyway, 
I was just uh, briefly saying I got George Kittle, Kyle Pitts, Adam Troutman all on by. I, I uh, anticipated Wait, Adam Troutman's on by? Yeah. Where's yeah, he starting not that, not that he'd be a great start anyways, but with uh, the other two guys on by, I would have started him in a pinch. I anticipated this ahead of time, so I picked up Max Williams, which, of course, will not be available to me this week. So I would have been happy starting Darnell Parnum in a pinch right now because – Hey, he's a part of that offense, and all you got, you're chasing touchdowns at that point, right? So, I think the Chargers are going to have a higher game total than ninety percent of teams going most weeks. So, that's the offenses you want to target. Yeah, like you don't feel that bad having just like if your opponent has a, a tight end, like as as one of my early predictions isn't like super like really coming to fruition, especially with uh, an injury to Kittle. But like like Noah Fant, Noah Fant is involved on every single play in that offense, but his production comparatively has been poor. Uh, when it comes to, you know, he's getting like targets, but the last game he wasn't, he's had a couple touchdowns, but in general, like receiving yardage, it's not a, it's, it's not great overall. So anyway, I, I feel like Darnold Parnum versus Noah Fant, you don't feel that bad about that type of matchup going into it. Uh, speaking, speaking of lows, uh, Jake, <laughs> as we get, we get into this is one of mine, and I th- did I mention on the Patreon? Well, whatever. Either way, you can do the big show too. Uh, one of my lows is just fe- Justin Fields start so far this season. Uh, the, the I thought one of the funniest stats I saw, and it's from the FF newsletter, which comes from the I, like the link to that is on on the you know, the fantasy football Reddit page. But this this person puts together a whole ton of information and collaborates it in one space. But anyway. Uh, over Justin Fields' three starts this season for the Bears, he's totaled 25 rushing yards. Uh, Tom Brady in the last three starts before tonight, don't count this game, uh, he's totaled 30 rushing yards. For an absolute athlete like Justin Fields to have less rushing yards than Tom Brady in the last three games is a fireable offense for the Bears. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, coming off of last podcast where I preached that coaching doesn't matter, um, I kind of backtracked that a bit on our Patreon show. I think my main point there was just, I think players matter more than coaching, but coaching definitely matters. Um, I will definitely concede that argument to Will. And to, to bounce, to reiterate that Matt Nagy here is giving Justin Fields no chance to succeed in my opinion. Like there aren't any, what Justin Fields does well isn't what we're seeing here. It almost feels like Matt Nagy is tailoring the offense to Adam, uh, Andy Dalton still like that's what he's trying to get out of Justin Fields and it's like man like that's not who this guy is open it up for him let him let him do his thing yeah it's uh it, it's infuriating as a fantasy order to watch that Bears offense function we'll kind of see how it goes it's, it's, it's like a week over week thing and whether or not they're going to change but you can't have a ton of faith in it for this season uh, for the future, you can just kind of hope that Matt Nagy's gone. Yeah, that's it, right? Because if they go into next season with Matt Nagy, it's like you almost expect more of the same because it's just there's total ineptitude there, it almost feels like. Yeah, which is another point of uh, trying to acquire uh, Al Robinson for the future. I know that he'll be 29 going into next season, uh, which puts him like yeah, he's at the cliff or, or where, where you want to acquire a dynasty wide receiver. But if this uh, offense continues to be anemic. Uh, Alan Robinson going to another place next season isn't the worst thing in the world. And we can see he's done well when moving to new teams, basically to the Bears in the past. And I'd actually be pretty excited about his production going into 2022. But for 2021, I'm I'm kind of out. 
yeah, I was a, uh, I was targeting him pretty heavily in the off season, just because I loved Justin Fields potential, but this, the start of the season is very, very worrying. Um, I don't think you could look at Allen Robinson the same way as you did in the off season. Like you have to throw that value almost out the window. There's, uh, you can't say that he is not that guy anymore um, because I feel like we have just yet to see that because we know who Allen Robinson is, who Allen Robinson is. But like you said, for 2021, you don't know what we're seeing um, for a game plan um, week in week out. We don't know what we're going to see out of Justin Fields. Um, we've seen more out of Darnell Mooney at this point, and I wouldn't. I would consider buying low on him. But like you said, I feel like there's almost he's more of a question mark because we don't know where he's going to be in 2022 and in 2021, I don't think he's a, like an ex- a valuable asset or at least like a league winner by any means. So I don't know if he's a guy that I would be targeting as a win now asset when you're not sure if he can, he can help you weekly. Yeah. And it sucks for teams that are like at this point who have had, you know, Cam makers, JK Dobbins, Saquon Barkley, Clyde Edwards, the which is a big part of the letdowns, like all the, the running back injuries that we've accumulated preseason and then now in season, uh, you it, you can't like, like Robinson's become an untradeable asset because you, you you're not going to get a first form at this point. I, I wouldn't give up a first form at this point because there's not really a, a reason to overall. His value might be cheaper in three months from now than it is right now, and I'd be I what I'd say is I'd be more willing to risk that his value is less than three months from now than it is now from a buying team. From an owning team, I'd be willing to risk that his values would be more in three months from now than it is right now. No, I I, I agree with that. And it's not even just Fields, but it's like the other rookie QBs. I don't think we saw as much from Lance last week that you would have hoped for. I, I Really, you can't hope that every rookie QB is going to perform as well as Justin Herbert did um, out of the blue coming out, right? But Zach Wilson, um, you would have expected more to him. I, I was hoping for a big game in London this week against Atlanta, which is a pretty poor defense, pretty poor team in general. Um, Mac Jones looked good, but not nothing exceptional. Um, and again, that's just like the bumps and bumps in the road that you get from rookie quarterbacks. But and Trevor Lawrence, like you, nothing enough can be said about the the whole Jacksonville Jaguars franchise, right? But. Um, yeah, I mean, Mac Jones leads the rookies in in yards right now and completions. Uh, I would be surprised if Davis Mills is uh, up there too, right? Like, I think this is probably a buying opportunity for a lot of these guys. But, um, yeah, there's just more risk um, involved as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's it's fascinating to watch to see how it affects the other talents. You know, when when Herbert came in. Uh, Keenan Allen boomed you know, we, for that, for, even for that like game where he wasn't ready to start mm-hmm. and then came in and you just watch. That's what I think makes Herbert such an elite talent. And I had questions about him in the offseason. I've ranked him too low moving into next year because Herbert is an absolute stud and a long time stud. I, I don't see that going anywhere. Like his, his style of play in his game is like, even if you were to get uh, like both ECLs torn next game somehow, uh, I would have no qualms about his future value. Yeah, he's able to make everybody around him better, right? And that's that is pretty much the exact thing you need in a start, starting quarterback. Um, we talked. I don't know if we talked about it in the Patreon show just at the beginning of this one, but how Jalen Hurts is such a wishy-washy. How he has probably like almost one of the safest floors in fantasy, 
but in an NFL standpoint, like you might not be sure if he's going to be uh, the starting quarterback, at least for the Eagles in the future. Right. But I think when Urch went down last year and Hurch came in, it was it's like, obviously not to the same effect as Herbert, but I think it was similar where he changed that entire team. Like he was, he was able to put the team on his back at that point. Right. And that's a, uh, that to me doesn't go unnoticed. Like he, he made the guys around him better. He pretty like, again, he, he to repeat myself, he put that team on his back. I, if he went to Houston or anywhere else, like he's, I think he still succeeds on a fantasy level. Like no doubt, like build a team around him. Um, similar to like those rookies, right. Just, and similar to, we talked about for Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, we've seen it, we've seen it done successfully. We just need uh, ownerships to kind of get get behind their quarterbacks, and expect, uh, more importantly, Jalen Hurts. Yeah, yeah, and actually prepare for what what their strengths are and what they can do. I mean, yeah, when when Hurts came in last year, his first game where he was the starter, it, I mean, it wasn't the best game ever, but he was able to you know throw for a touchdown, hit over a hundred yards rushing, uh, you know, really showed his athletic talents right away, which is what we were we were hoping for Justin Fields this year. Yeah. Like I, he I could be that like Zach Hurts level electricity. And it just hasn't been. And then from there, his second game, he passed for uh, 338 yards and three tutties, uh, along with having good like rushing production and another touchdown. Like it was insane. And the team uh, around ended- him was just awful. Like the line was injured. Like the, he was not set up to, for any success at all. So. Yeah. Which I wonder if just like the coaching staff watched film on him last year. It was like, Oh, he does best when he's, completely under duress and has to freestyle it let's do that this year and it's just a bad idea it's it's, it's overall so I, I the thing is like I don't think Hertz is going anywhere I do struggle with like having him as a I mean a, a top 10 quarterback dynasty asset but I, I don't think you're wrong if you have you know I, I don't really it doesn't really bother me if you do it's, it's I personally have that kind of uh that, that back and forth in turn because Hertz could also uh you know, be, be replaced relatively quickly, potentially. That's that's always going to keep his value down. Right. But come fantasy when you're starting him every week, as long as he is starting for an NFL team, he is going to be a top 10 fantasy quarterback in my mind. Yeah. So I was looking at rushing up, but I think we, I think I say it every single week. Right. But there's a few things that uh, pretty much are difference makers in fantasy. So you gotta, you gotta keep nailing it. Yeah, I was gonna see where he went uh, in my in a twelve team uh, dynasty startup here in just a second. But as as we go, I think we uh, you know we t- we touched on the injuries a little bit. It just kind of sucks overall. Like a player going down after he was finally having some fantasy production. Uh, Saquon twisting his ankle. It just it just sucks overall. He was he was finally starting to come on. He's one of the most he's one of, if not the most elite athlete we've ever had at the running back position. And we want to see more of him. It also sucks that he's stuck, stuck on the giants. Uh, any other injuries that I'm missing here? Um, we talked about Russ more in the Patreon show, but I am crushed for Juju. Um, I think the consensus for Juju is that he's probably played his last down of football in Pittsburgh. Um, I, I wouldn't be so sure just because everything that's come out from Juju is how much he loves Pittsburgh and, um, he wants to build a brand in Pittsburgh, um, et cetera, et cetera. I feel like there's more to him than just like he loves football um, and he loves his fan, building a fan base and um, what all that has allowed him to do. Right. I don't think he's necessarily chasing 
um, the paycheck, which I think some people might expect. But yeah, I think uh, I'm hoping that it's not his last game in Pittsburgh because I just I love the guy as a fan, and I'm I'm crushed that he's going to miss a season. I'm crushed for like every season ending injury right or longer, but injuries suck. Yeah, absolutely. And because Juju Russell bet himself took a lesser contract to stay in the system that he knows, uh, and it's not playing out for him. And yeah. the NFL isn't isn't a kind, uh, you know, a, a kind lover when it comes to injuries and players like that. So hopefully he can either land. Well, I, I don't know if I want to land back in Pittsburgh, honestly, for fantasy. Well, yeah, for fantasy, it's not for, the greatest, for love, so. for sure. Uh, a quick look to back. Uh, Jalen Hurst went the four oh three in a start of draft, like pretty pretty darn near close to the season. Uh, I don't mind that spot even at this moment in time. So yeah, anyway, that's fair. And I'm, I'm he's done nothing but do well on a fantasy perspective through the first five weeks. And I'm sure that his value, if not stay the same, is probably like might have dwindled a little bit just based on the Philadelphia record. Yeah, it'd be hard to move him though because he is he is putting up some great fantasy stats. Yeah, that's uh, that's it. But if you again, if you if you're thinking that that's going to fall out and all of a sudden he's going to be getting zeros because he won't be, he's going to be getting benched. He he might be a Saudi, right? Like, there's definitely going to be some owners that live in fear. Yeah. And like even tonight, like I recommended to my little brother starting uh, Kenny Gainwell over Darnell, Darnell Mooney going into this game because I thought they're going to be behind. They're going to have to pass. Uh, Gainwell ended up with one catch for one yard. They made it a closer game than I expected. I would not. I know have they didn't cover. They, they didn't cover. Six, yeah. So I lost ten dollars. And uh, Sanders got more carries in the second half for sure. Nine for fifty-six. Love to see it. Uh, it just is, I mean, Hertz goes for 115 for yards, a, a uh, tutty and an interception. That's a, that's a bad, bad stat line. Hey, but 10 carries for two touchdowns, uh, there. So he's still fine for fantasy. Yeah. I mean, that's why I think like, if you, if you have Jalen Hertz, you can't really move him because nobody's buying high. 26 you, points. Yeah. It's just, it's just a nice little hold. Thank you uh, very much. Keep talking shit about him. Sorry for swearing. <laughs> uh, the next, I'll, next I'll thing I want to get to was a question in one of our chats, Jake, is so Justin Jefferson versus Diggs and a late first. Well, one quarterback dynasty league discussion. So, Jake, you said you easily take the, the Jefferson side, and I agree with that completely on overall value. My My only point to this is this is not a deal I would make now. I think Jefferson and Diggs production this season is going to be fairly equal throughout the rest of the year. So this is an off season trade to me. This is not a uh, mid mid season trade to me because again, we've already seen it. Injuries happen all the time and you need to be ready for that. So if you move Diggs in at first for Justin Jefferson, uh, I, I which the, the team scenario from that would kind of confuse me and where you're coming from. But uh, anyway, if you move that for that piece uh, and then Jeff Jefferson were to get hurt or go down uh, or have something happen, the, all that value is completely lost. And this it's kind of the same with digs on a competing team where if I were the competing team, I would take digs in the first, like in, in a, in a, I think I would take that like relatively quickly because now I'm insulated on value with my player for the rest of this year. And because it is a year over year game, it's a week over week game when you boil down dynasty. 
so if you're a contender, you would be taking Diggs and a first over Justin Jefferson. Yeah, I would have. I would want that because then that that you, first similar round pick, output this year. Yeah, and that late first round pick gets me something I need in the future when something happens. Like I'm insulating value for this season as a contender, assuming that like my wide receiver depth chart isn't just at like I'm starting, you know, you know, just uh, you, you know, like like Tyree Kill and Mike Williams, maybe not Duke Samuel, but like so, the, the top of the top. So I understand your argument that if something were to happen, you'd have that first as an extra asset type of thing, but JJ is still a bigger asset than both those pieces combined in my mind, right? So if things really happened, um, I'd want JJ still because you can make you can get more for that at the end of the day, right? Um, I was really surprised because in this in our little group at that point, uh, Justin Jefferson was the minority, um, and I'm not saying it's a landslide by any means. Cause I think a lot of the trade calculators would actually have the dig side, um, just because he sh- he's should still be ranked high in dynasty regardless of age because he's a superstar in the league, right? Um, no discredit to Diggs at all. But I just think JJ, Justin Jefferson, is as good, if not better, than Diggs at this very moment. And he's five years younger, right? So a late 22 first in a non-super flex doesn't entice me that much because what I'm hearing about this class, which I don't know much about uh, this class at the moment. I don't watch too much college football. Don't take my Debbie advice because I don't have any, but um, I, I've heard a lot about, I hear many quarterbacks names coming up. And when it comes to super flex leagues, that's going to make lots of guys values because more quarterbacks are going to enter the picture come the draft conversation, non super flex leagues. That's not going to happen. So you need 12 assets that are pretty, pretty much 10 ends. Don't really matter that much that are pretty much all running backs or wide receivers. I don't know if there's going to be that many. So that first jump pick to me, doesn't move the needle like at all, especially when we're talking about Justin Jefferson, who in my like right now in my rankings is the wide receiver one in dynasty. Like he has done nothing, but he broke the record as a rookie for, uh, for yards in the season and through five weeks so far, he's excelled. Right. So there's no doubts in my mind that Justin Jefferson is like an absolute superstar. Obviously digs this too, but I think Justin Jefferson's better and younger. So Sign me up for that, regardless of getting an asset that I could also do something with. With all right, I I I I the thing is like I don't don't disagree with that counterpoint. I just wouldn't I wouldn't do it right now. Yeah, and I, I get you. And patience is not my best virtue, which is surprising. So here we go. Uh, another thing, Jake, are we just are we learning our final lesson? in the Patriots backfield discussion, the amount of Damian Williams hype coming into the season was incredible. And he looked electric uh, in the preseason. And even, you know, he, he didn't start off the season bad, but, but Damian Williams has been, uh, I mean, darn near unstartable most weeks for your Damian squad. Harris, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Keep saying Williams, Damian Harris. So are we, uh, is this, is this our final lesson in the, the Patriots backfield? Unless there's an absolute elite talent, that we're just staying away or what are your thoughts on this? Um, absolutely. Um, because Bill Belichick kind of ebbs and flows with whoever um, his opponent is each week, right? Like he wants to give, he wants to take whatever the defense is going to give him. He wants to take advantage of the weakest link um, on that defense. Um, so, so I think he's willing to give it to whoever he thinks 
will give him the best chance to succeed that week, right? Um, which at some points can be unpredictable. Um, I don't dislike Damian Harris at all, and I actually think he's still the best back in that backfield. Um, Ramadre Stevenson shows some promise. Um, JJ Taylor, who people were hoping would be the next James White, who's out for the year, pretty much showed nothing last week. It was Brandon Bolden, who has pretty much been their special teams ace um, for, I want to say, his career, but I could be wrong about that. Um, yeah, so I mean, Bolden, they- Bolden has been around forever. I, I think he came out of Oregon. No, he came out of Mississippi. Okay. So I still think Harris is their best player, but like you said, he's a, he's a tough start because he doesn't get tons of passing game work and you don't know if they're going to, like if they're playing Tampa Bay, they might choose not to run the ball at all. But if, and even against Houston, he only got 14 carries. So you would think that's going to be, that was, that was the Damian Harris week. And I, I believe he um, left the game with some injuries. So maybe that was the reason he didn't like, completely break out but i'm i'm not i don't not saying he's done but the patriots backfield is a tricky tricky beast just given how bill belichick likes to roll them out each week yeah and harris had a couple of costly fumbles definitely one in miami at the goal line when they lost that first game of the season uh then he got his opportunity then he fumbled again at houston yeah, one this week yeah which which if you like look back over the history of the patriots that unless again unless you're an ant like uh, a real difference maker in the game and for their game plan. Uh, you're, you're just, you're just sat on the bench. It did make me sad that James White got hurt uh, overall, because I think he might've been one of the best fantasy values. And I had like kind of acquired James White quite a few places and him going down made me very sad, but in general, this is just something to keep in mind for the future too. Even with Sony Michelle uh, is it's, it's a game to game thing. Uh, and it's not going to be the fantasy production that you want. And I'm I'm willing to say as long as Belichick's there, potentially ever, uh, and I don't I don't mind that. And again, I'll probably like just will you note this, Jake? We write it down so that way in the offseason, if the Patriots take another like elite running back that I get super excited about to to cool my Jets. Oh, you won't you won't need me to write it down because the Sony Michelle comparisons will be like deafening throughout the offseason if they take another quarterback in the first round. But I don't even think they're like their draft pick will be middle range. Like that would be but, like even like a third round pick. Like, so. like third round pick hits are pretty good. You know, like it's a, I hear you. Um, and I will, I will help keep the hype um, at bay. Just considering, I think like we talked about, it could be any running back any week. Like I think Ramadre Stevenson and Damian Harris should have similar dynasty value. Cause who knows? who will be the lead guy in a few weeks, right? Like it's just, it's just unpredictable. Yeah. Uh, let's, we should, uh, we should probably wrap this up pretty soon as we're, we're going on here. The last thing that I wanted to, well, I guess I, I two things and two wide receivers, cause I don't want to talk about AJ Brown because we just have to kind of like, I, I, that, I, that's too, uh, he's a waiting game. Recency bias. Yeah. And I would acquire him as down to the elite. Uh, Jalen Rager, uh, I'm a very hard hold right now with Jalen Rager, even after tonight's game where I'm pretty sure he did nothing, but I, I don't think you can move him. And I think maybe you hold him, uh, any quick thoughts on Rager overall? Um, again, we're not watching the game too, too intently. I think Jalen Rager was on the poor side of many pass interference calls. 
um, tonight. So I don't think it was all his fault. I believe that there were targets his way. He had three targets. Though my biggest worry with um, Jalen Rugger, I don't think he has much dynasty value at all. Um, Devonta Smith is number one there. Uh, maybe even for now, because I wouldn't be surprised if they bring in um, an alpha this off season, they're going to have, they have their top pick, which is going to be pretty early. They have the Colts if Carson Wentz starts a certain amount of games. And they have San France, I believe it's San France, from the trade with Miami to go to from 6 to 12. So they have tons of um, draft capital. Um, Devonta Smith, there's right now rumors from Jake Laser that a tight end could be on the move. Um, both running backs catch passes. Um, there's just – there's to use a very common cliche in the fantasy industry, there's lots of mouths to feed. Um, and Quez Watkins, I think, is a guy that deserves mentioning. Uh, blazing fast. Uh, very uh, Talked about very highly from beat writers this offseason. And, and so far, I believe he's got more uses than Jalen Rugger um, so far this season. So although I loved him coming into the year, I unfortunately picked him above um, Justin Jefferson in a few leagues and uh, hate it. <laughs> but yeah, I think he's, I think he's almost wasting a spot on your roster at this point, or he's somebody that I would rather see somebody else. I'd rather somebody else waste a roster spot on him or have that waiting game for him. Yeah. Yeah. And it's for, this is, we just passed fast the fifth week with Rager's game. He had no catches, three targets, uh, there, there might have been some pass interference, but overall, like his snap percentage has gone below Quez Watkins. Uh, he's is not showing himself as an absolute producer, and because like the best players rise to the top, uh, and Rager is not doing that. So I think you got to be. I mean, you just got to kind of either sit and be okay with that roster spot dwindling away because you can't just drop you know a guy like Jalen Rager whatsoever. No, and you he has no trade value. Uh, well, would you take a third? No, I'd just hold. I would take a third. Oh. Give me a give me a chance at a Diami Brown, Nico Collins. Not that those guys have hit by any means, but like, I give me another dart that I can throw because I just. What about Denzel? What about Denzel Mims versus Jalen Rager? Um, at least Denzel Mims is, should have opportunity elsewhere sooner than later. Where Jalen Rager, I think, might be stuck in Philly for at least a few more seasons, right? So. I think I'm taking Denzel Mims there, which might be crazy. But I'm on Ross. You know I'm on Ross St. Brown. Oh, that's easy. I'm on Ross St. Brown. Um, there's injuries in Detroit right now that he's gonna his target share is gonna go up, and it's already um, increasing steadily. So I think Armin Amon Ross a a target. They're probably gonna have a QB upgrade if not this season, next season, and their offense is like the whole team is steadily gonna get better. So I don't think Amon Ross is great, but I think Jalen Reger is a uh, drawing dead almost yeah I, I i can't really disagree with it i think i was sent a third round pick assuming i have like some roster spots open uh, but at, in the, the same breath like i think he's worth a roster spot and i think he's easily worth a third so jake if you have jalen Rager and i have roster spots i'd be i'd be happy to take but i would just say happy i'd be uh you know moderately okay with accepting that I wouldn't be surprised if we saw like a Nelson, a Nelson Aguilar type career where he does hit elsewhere or bounces around a bit of the league and does have fantasy relevant weeks. But right now in Philadelphia, it does look a little bleak. Yeah, that's a, 
So when it, when it comes to fantasy advice for the season, uh, don't buy Allen Robinson for this year. Uh, Justin Jefferson is still worth it potentially, uh, even with its digs in a first, but like uh, worth investing in that youth uh, stay away from the Patriots backfield backfield this season uh, in, in general. Uh, Austin Eckler acquire yeah, him I. for, yeah. yeah, acquire him for a fancy championship run because uh even if even if he gets bangs up, banged up and misses a couple games, don't bank on catastrophic catastrophic injury. Uh, and he could be an absolute league winner. Uh, Jalen Rager is Ross like is just a roster spot. Don't expect people to start him. Uh, I had like Waddle and AJ Brown in here, but I think we should uh, we should wrap this up. I think it's we're doing pretty good. My uh, other tip was in all my leagues and all the places that I had him, uh, Gary Brightwell, uh, his history. And him as a person, from what I've read about, Gary Brantwell seems like a great dude. And uh, I wish him all the success in the New York Giants backfield. And I really, really hope that he gets an opportunity to play in these coming weeks with uh, hopefully Saquon is not too long. But Brightwell is uh, he's, he's one of those stories that when you read about him, you want him to do well. And when he does, you want him on your fantasy roster. Um, I don't know who Gary Brightwell is. So if you, you might have heard my typing in the background, Googling his name, I will have to uh, look into his story right after we're done here. I was offered uh, Booker in a league today and told that I, it, was a, it was a gift for me. So I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, and Devontae Booker hasn't been good for a long time. I get that he scored two touchdowns in that game, but I spending a bunch of fab on Booker and then starting him in your lineup this week is, uh, to me, an unmitigated disaster. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Do you have anything for a two-minute warning, Will? Uh, still love Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams was the MVP of the team at LSU when Leonard Fournette was still on the team. I bet a Daryl Williams fan his whole career, and I had still had a couple spots. And uh, I am actually excited. I'm excited to see what Daryl Williams can do. And yeah, think- outside outside of that, I have been trying to grab Jared McKinnon just in case. Do you think uh, Daryl Williams will be fantasy relevant for the next few weeks? Yeah, Absolutely. He's been yeah. fantasy relevant for the past few weeks anyway. I mean, I wouldn't know. <laughs> but luckily, I haven't been playing him or playing against him. So, Yeah. It'll, it'll yeah. be interesting to see how that plays out. I assume that they just throw the ball very like, very heavily. Yeah. I, I just don't know how that team's going to operate overall. But again, like I, the Clyde Edwards usage wasn't great in, in general. Like his blocking wasn't great. Explosive plays were it, like non-existent. So you might, I think you might get one for one production out of Daryl Williams from Clyde Edwards Lair. Are you selling low on CEH right now? Or are you going to hold I, on to him for next season? Uh, I would, I, it, it depends what low, low is. So if or a late I, first. I, I, in super flex? Still yeah. no. Nah, just hold on. Nice. I, uh, I I'm know. definitely scared for CEH as you, I feel like a lot of people were heading into the season and then um, those worries you had, he pretty, he pretty much showed you like why you had those worries. Right. Um, he sh- a lot. He showed more of 2020. They're just <sighs> not They're They're like with his usage. And now an injury. It's so, it's so bad. I just, I mean, I, the thing that I always heart harken back to is, if the Chiefs would have freaking drafted Jonathan Taylor versus Clyde Edwards Hilaire, could you imagine Jonathan Taylor on that offense? Like an actual explosive athlete. 
and somebody who can who can make something out of like Clyde Rosella can't make something out of nothing. That's that's a huge difference. So Even just, just Kareem take- Hunt in that offense was like special. And I think Kareem Hunt's like a way better NFL player than CEH. Like I don't, I'm not even sure it's close. I don't think that's debatable anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, uh, and if, if he's not better than Kareem Hunt, like you have to, like, he's pretty much a replacement level player, right? Like he's, he's closer to that than a superstar. Like, or, yeah. I mean, or like if you find a dime in the right, like, like Alvin Kamara in that offense would be insane. I'm legitimately worried that like they will bring somebody in next offseason. I think that's almost a given. And I think, majority of people that will that are going to be introduced to that offense are might be better than ceh so man i think he's uh i'm trying to sell i think but so there's a league that some guys pretty much given up on the playoffs and he put hopkins and waller on the block um no tight end premium and i was like do i do i offer ceh for hopkins do i offer him for, for waller like probably but i don't know i hate i hate acquiring aging guys and uh a young running back is not an easy guy to give up either. Right. So I know you hate that. You hate that with a burning passion. Uh, yeah. The one thing, so cause you, you had this written down to your lows was the whole John Gruden experience that's been this past week in the NFL. And it's been absolutely despicable. And I saw some, some parts of that Raider game, uh, the Raiders. And I, I haven't, there's not a good way to track these stats. Uh, the Raiders dropped an inordinate amount of passes in that game, including Waller, uh, including Edwards, including everybody. And uh, I, I think that the team had completely checked out on Gruden. And honestly, Jake, right now, I think that the Raiders might be in for an offensive explosion moving forward. I love the new coach coming in. Uh, he seems like I've heard from Chuck Pagano on the Pat McAfee show so that he's a great guy, like, like a good core, like a, a good, a great guy at his core and is the right guy. Like to come in and lead that team. So I think, I think Darren Waller might be one of the better by lows. It's hard to compare him against DeAndre Hopkins though. And non time premium. But anyway, I think, uh, I think the Raiders assets right now are also low, especially in a, when you look at a seasonal perspective and uh, John Gruden's scumbag. Uh, not surprising yeah. that he had correspondence with Dan Schneider from the Redskins because I have ragged on Dan Schneider on this podcast. Uh, an uncountable amount, amount of times because that dude's a scumbag as well, uh, where they would take all the cheerleaders to a place uh, in the, like the Caribbean or off the coast and then take away their passports. Uh, it was one of the most despicable things ever. And now that Gruden's associated with him and they're just the, just the worst kind of people don't need those kind of people in, in our, in our lives, in this world. Don't get too angry about it because you can't do anything about it. Live a happy life and be happy. Yeah, yeah, I gotta, I gotta chill down my spine when you said the taking, taking away the passports. That's absolutely uh, insane, and it's not, it's no surprise that all this came out with, with that investigation. So hopefully, I wouldn't be surprised if more comes out with, with the investigation. Or I uh, hope so. Like, oh, you, th- like this, yeah. There's, there's so much more of this in the league than uh, people care to admit. But well, I'm sure that pe- people realize it, but it just doesn't get talked about enough. So. Um, good redness to John Gruden. Um, I completely agree that I think like Derek Carr is better than people like people think, right? Uh, he's showing that this year. And I think there's something to when the, the range get taken off a quarterback and they are, are kind of given more freedom at the line of scrimmage to do what they want. 
Um, and I do think that that's going to provide like a bit of a boom um, to the offense. Cause like I think, like I said, Derek Carr is good. And I think uh, he's hot this year and I think the team's going to have something to prove. So um, I'm, I'm on board with that, with that take. And uh, I just want to reiterate, yeah, if, uh, screw John Gruden, that guy, guy, good riddance. Yeah. Just that. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't want to skew negative at the end of the show, yeah. but we don't need that kind of trash in our lives. Uh, and I never realized how a horrible person he was. So I, I did have something. It, it, go, it goes so deep if you want to dive, dive into it. Uh, and I, I don't, I don't want to, because again, we should, uh, we should focus on how to, you know, make the world a better place versus hating on somebody who's negative. So I will change the subject by quite a bit and, go with my two minute warning um today we're like, we're like at, 15 minutes into the two minute warning. yeah oh yeah this is a very long two minute warning they've we've used our timeouts um, we have extended the clock as much as we can um but yeah so i was on lunch today doing my shift at costco pushing those carts and i went to tim horton's a pretty famous coffee joint in canada and i ordered a bagel and the lady accidentally made two bagels and this might, I just want to make note of it because this could be like the pinnacle. This could be my peak. This could be my ceiling of life right now. This, uh, that extra bagel. And it was, it, they were both fantastic. And I just think it's probably downhill from here. <laughs> but yeah, I, just, I also just want to thank her for being like a little bit incompetent or a little bit extra nice and uh, putting that extra bagel in. Yeah, so why are you going to leave with that negative? Is that, is that negative? She's like, this man, this man needs two bagels. Yeah, she was a. Uh, I, I I love her, and if I wasn't married, like I probably would have uh, pursued her more. But an just, extra bagel uh, is the way to my heart, I guess. Yeah, tell your significant other that two bagels is the baseline. You better beat that. Yeah, yeah that's a. Yeah, so I feel like that's a peak that we have to go out on because I feel like it can't get better than an extra bagel. You know, slice some cream cheese I, on that. I also paid with reward points. Two bagels for free. <laughs> I mean, it was just, uh, uh, Jake, the most Canadian thing we've ever heard from you is that you have enough uh, Tim Hortons reward points for a free bag. Huh? And uh, uh, we should end on that. We are we are at the Fantasy Joes on Twitter. Jake is at Takes with Jake. I am at Fantasy Joe underscore Will. Uh, I did hop on Twitter to check out the vitriol from the Iowa Penn State game. There, uh, I, I, I will kind of kind of booed some injured players it wasn't a great scene but like it reminds me why i'm not on twitter there's so much negativity uh ryan oh i am on twitter and i, I do check it and post like what's uh ryan is at Roto librarian send him your thoughts and prayers because he is very busy right now uh and needs them <laughs> anyway, just send it to him on twitter and then we are yeah i think that's, I think that's we're on patreon at patreon slash fantasy joe's and uh, Jake, this is my first time hosting, so it's, it's a complete mess at the end. But uh, enjoy the rest of this weekend. Good luck in all your fantasy matchups. Hopefully you get two bagels with reward points. But, uh, let's call it a day. The best, you literally get those reward points um, at Tim Hortons for picking who you think is going to score in hockey each night, too. It's just it's amazing. It's, it's I so didn't Canadian. think you could get more Canadian. Yeah, no, it's as Canadian as it gets. You have to choose a left-handed and right-handed player. You get th- like you get three player options, and you pick three players each night. And if you if you get a, a full week straight of uh, picks right, you get coffee free for a week. There is a there's a good clip 
of Wayne Gretzky. So somehow Charles Wait. Barkley ended yeah, up yeah, on the yeah. NHL no, show. I, I saw this. Yeah. Fantastic. And Wayne's, somebody posted like, I hope he's not shooting real pucks. And then everybody else was like, dude, if somebody's shooting real pucks at you, you probably want it to be Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, no, I agree. I, th- I That was my first thought too. I was like, this guy's just going to have no pads with Wayne Gretzky like shooting pucks, but it seemed like he went a little easy on the guy. So on Charles, <laughs> the guy on Charles <laughs> I mean, Barkley. Bar- Barkley's a good trooper when it comes to comedic acts. He's willing to look completely foolish for uh, no reason other than the TV. Like he picked up the hockey stick and pad, like the goalie pad, and was like, "What?" Man, that hockey segment was like the best thing, like best hockey segment there's been in the past twenty years. Like I'm so ready for ESPN to have uh, some NHL oh, right again. We're already past a two minute warning. This is gonna be such a terrible. Uh, Thing if Ryan listens to this and posts it, he just posted. Oh, this is our outro. Hear this, yeah, yeah, yeah no, but uh, ESPN taking over hockey is the best thing that's happened to hockey in a long time. Uh, oh, yeah, I can agree. The why. previous coverage was absolutely horrible. Uh, ESPN's looking to make money off it, so there's gonna be a lot better angles, a lot more coverage. It's gonna be everything like more people are gonna be casual hockey fans now, Jake, in the U.S. because of this, and I think it's not gonna be. It's gonna be massive. I hope you're right, man, because hockey is an entertaining sport. Um, I remember there was a guy like a few years back who just was live tweeting um, his first hockey game and he ended up going viral and like famous for it and stuff. But it is like on TV, it was one thing. Obviously, if you get a chance to go watch a game live, like it is a next level experience. So well, live is so different because you can see line changes. You can see the whole, uh, the, the, like the whole of the cinema game. of hockey. Yeah. And it's, it's something that, like, I think, I wonder if you spend ever do it where you have, like, another, like, little screen in the top, like, corner of your of when you're watching it of what you can see the whole ice. You need to see the whole ice. Because as it follows the puck, you it's fun to see what's happening in the background. It's, it's kind of like soccer as well. Because watching soccer live, you can see people on the other side of the field that are, like, you can just see so much more. And hockey is a sport is, is it's, I mean, it's one of the fastest paced sports out there. I think there are NHL subscription things that you can have like a free roam camera where you can kind of look around the ice. Yeah. But the casual fan will never get that. And if they can see that is what I'm, what I'm thinking. Yeah. I get, I get you. Um, similar to how like ESPN two did their, like their man, man and cast, which kind of gives you more of a behind the scenes look. Yeah. And then maybe that, like, I don't, I don't know if you could do that for like a regular um, cast anyways, like doing like the, wide angle view of the rink it's a lot going on it's hard to follow yeah all right well uh it was a good night jake yeah 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 yeah. ryan we'll uh we'll see you next week and uh i'm gonna sign off now and, and close this out if i can do it correctly